You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and thank you for making Locked On Pacers your first listen of the day podcast-wise. Lots to get to today. I want to talk about something I've been thinking about, as well as, of course, previewing the basketball game that takes place tonight between the Indiana Pacers and the Memphis Grizzlies. It's going to be a fun one because it is the Pacers' first home game in their newly named stadium, Gamebridge Fieldhouse, is where we will see the Pacers take on the Grizzlies. First time there, we'll see a lot of new renovations in the stadium there's been a lot of construction this summer and we saw some of it at fan jam but i'm excited to really explore and, and dig into the intricacies of the new stadium more fans allowed uh now than last season it's gonna be awesome i don't know how many will be there for a preseason game but it's gonna be fun and there's a huge injury report in this game for both teams uh so there's a lot to dive into on the ripple effects of that for both how you look at this game for the pacers and how the grizzlies and how the guys they're sitting out will change this game and then i want to talk about o'shea Brissett because he hasn't really been in the rotation, or he's been in the rotation, but not for the right reasons, really, to me, in the preseason. And I want to talk about if that is legitimate, if that's the right choice from Carlisle and the Pacers staff. Let's start with Pacers-Grizzlies. And I want to start with the Grizzlies injury report, actually, because while there is a big surprise on the Pacers injury report, which we will get to momentarily, the Grizzlies injury report is hilarious. They have 10 guys, I'm not joking you, 10 guys listed as out. For something, Steven Adams, Kyle Anderson, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Chris Dunn, Jaron Jackson, Tyus Jones, Sean McDermott, DeAnthony Melton, and John Morant. If you didn't notice, that's the 10 best players on the Grizzlies are all out. Some for rest, some for legitimate injuries. Killian Tilly and Zaire Williams are questionable with injuries. Why do I say all that? Well, because the Grizzlies are not going to be playing their good players. They're going to be playing a lot of their exhibit 10 guys, a lot of their two-way guys, trying to see what they have with them, both for rest and legitimate injury reasons. So previewing this game from a Pacers perspective is a little more difficult than it was for the games they played against the Cavaliers and the Knicks, where they played against legit NBA players, and you can kind of get a feel for stuff the Pacers are doing. Is it, you know, how does it work against NBA teams? What players look good in the current system? Stuff like that. It's going to be a lot harder to get those kind of feels from this game because the Grizzlies are rolling out you know, they'll have some NBA players in the game, obviously. They can't, they have to fill the team, but a lot of those guys are G League level or guys who are, you know, fighting to make the league for the first time. So it's a little harder to read tactically into specific matchups in this game because the Grizzlies roster will be a little worse. We'll see a lot of like Jarrett Culver level guys. Brandon Clark uh, is another one that you, you could see more of. Sam Merrill, a guy I really liked it before the draft last year, but no one that'll really tell you a lot about Pacers players. So I think this game is going to be more about seeing how the Pacers handle a stylistically different team than what they faced so far in the preseason. Because just because the Grizzlies aren't playing their normal guys doesn't mean they're going to play differently, right? We've seen them under Taylor Jenkins for two years. Be a really similar kind of team. Uh, they are really into being good on defense, and that makes a lot of sense given the roster that they have. And I know they won't have a lot of their good defenders, but playing another, like the next good defensive team, is always a good test for for the Pacers in terms of their evolution of their offensive system under a new coach, how guys are able to fit into said system, how guys are are growing their skills and things like that. So that's always an important thing. And again, I know they have a lot of guys out, but they don't. They have some at least decent defensive guys uh, who will be playing in this game. So it's not going to be like completely embarrassing, but 
Um, you know, it'll be a good test of the Pacers against another good defensive scheme, right? There were times against the Knicks where the Pacers' offense looked, you know, a little out of place, a little out of sorts. They couldn't quite get to their spots. Uh, the, you know, long possessions where they can't quite get a good shot. Hopefully against, you know, worse players in this Grizzlies game, that won't be the case. But because their their system is really good in Memphis, it's it's not quite Tibbsian, but they are a little more willing to shuffle guys to the middle. Jonas Valanciunas was very physical for them last year. And the Grizzlies' big thing is, they do not concede extra possessions very often, and that helps them a lot on defense, right? They're a very good rebounding team and a pretty low turnover team, which helps with their defensive rating. They're not defending against as many possessions as normal. So that's going to be another thing for the Pacers to, to, to focus on in this game is, again, even though they're playing against worse players than you'd expect from the Memphis Grizzlies during the regular season, you're still going to see a Memphis team that is very prideful on the glass. They, they, don't, they take care of the ball. They... Uh, don't jump the passing lanes for a lot of steals for often. Like they're very meticulous about maximizing points per possession on both ends, and that that plays into the way they play, and that plays into the mistakes the other team makes. So the Pacers in this game, just stylistically against the Grizzlies defense, they need to take care of the ball, and we'll see, we'll, it's an important game for ball handlers uh, specifically, and, and creating their own shots and not being too aggressive, but also you know running their scheme that they're learning. Sometimes the timing elements are often that. So this will be an important game to. Get all that timing down. Get your sets kind of in order against a Grizzlies team that the way they play by default is going to make this a little more difficult. Something else the Grizzlies have done a lot under Taylor Jenkins is they love to drive to the basket. They love, love, love drives. Getting those, as Nate Bjorkman called them, paint touches to make the defense collapse, to either try to get shots at the rim, try to get kickouts for threes. You know, they shot better percentage-wise from deep than they did in terms of attempts because they got good attempts because they focus so much on those drives. And they also shot a lot of two-pointers last year because they were a really good offensive rebounding team. They were second in the league. So a lot of putback opportunities and things of the like. But a lot more of their shots compared to the normal team come from two-point range than normal. So this game, I have no idea who's going to start or even play very much for the Grizzlies. Um, but this game, regardless, will be a good test for uh, Turner and Sabonis in terms of where they're at defensively, how they can handle a system that's coming at them a lot because... You know, the defensive system for the Pacers has changed from last year to this year, but we're still going to see, okay, Turner in a little more standard defensive style. How can he handle this volume of guys coming at him? Can Sabonis, when he's in as the lone center, a similar thing? How does he do well defending the basket, defending whatever big the Grizzlies have out there? You know, Brandon Clark, uh, Tillman, if he plays, could get some center minutes. Romeo Weems could be another guy who gets some center minutes. Santi all. Santi Aldama, their first-round pick. Like, there's a lot of options of not terrible players for those two guys to both be matched up against and then scheme against. And then when Turbonus is on the floor together, you know, how does Sabonis do if he is forced to, to guard someone who is one of those guys who is driving to the basket and trying to create those advantageous and easy plays for the Grizzlies that they so much like to get and like to do even with their, you know, their their second roster, as we can call it, really, since a lot of their starters are not playing. And so those two guys, I think, will be tested in a way they haven't really been in the preseason. The Cavs like to drive. They have two good attackers, but those two guys uh, like the floater. They like to pull out and pass a little earlier than the Grizzlies tend to. Uh, and those creators aren't as, you know, Garland's a really good creator for others, but his self-creation, he can't quite get all the way to the rim. And Sexton, he can get all the way to the rim, but he can't quite pass the Grizzlies' system. At least they try to get all the way to the rim most of the time. John Morant is unique and he's very talented and changes things up. But you know, it's a little more tailored to uh, seeing specific rim protection stuff. To me, at least, 
from Miles Turner and Sabonis. And the Knicks uh, had a very, you know, triangle principles with Tibbs. Uh, you know, they're very methodical in what they do. It's hard to really say. They focus on drives. They focus on threes. They just hunt very hard for a good open shot, and they did a good job of that against the Pacers. So another unique test for the Pacers in this game against Memphis in terms of how they will have to defend uh, this this Grizzlies team. And then to, to go off of the centers, if they are going to be attacking like they did last season, probing to get in the paint, getting those offensive rebounds, it's going to be very important for Pacers guards to do two things. And these are two things that they stunk at last season, staying in front of their man who has the ball, so there's not as much pressure on Turner or Sabonis, whoever's back there, to stop whoever is, has beat their man and gotten to the basket. And they stunk at rebounding last year. The Pacers guards were not very – they were probably the worst rebounding guard group in the league. Uh, you know, Torrey Craig has looked better at that this year. Duarte, two new guys, look like better rebounders for guards. But those guys are going to have to do well to not help the Grizzlies, you know, maximize their possessions, which they like to do, but also, you know, pre help prevent get them out of the paint, keep the centers able to do their thing containing a big – and the ball instead of just one or the other. So it's going to be a team effort. It's a new style for the Pacers to play against in preseason and another way for us as people who watch the team all the time to evaluate where they are defensively in terms of containing a new style, containing other players. Unfortunately, we don't get to see you know, how they look against a guy like John Moran, how they look against a guy like Jaron Jackson, uh, Steven Adams, you know, the, the guys that have something about them that's so special that you can kind of evaluate Pacers players and systems in that way. You won't get to see that, but you still will get to learn something about this team. That said, the Pacers should win very handily because they have a better team playing than the Grizzlies do given all the injuries. It's preseason, though. The result doesn't matter. What does matter is... The team gets a little better, and no one gets hurt. And speaking of nobody getting hurt, which I have been tweeting about and overanalyzing the crap out of, I said we got to get to the Pacers injury report eventually because it also features a surprise, and it does. You know, we knew Karras would be out. We knew T.J. Warren would be out. We knew Justin Holiday would be out. We've done podcasts on all those injuries. If you would like to go back and listen to them by the time they happen, what we didn't know is Keelan Martin would be out. Scott Agnes was reporting that uh, yesterday, and then today it became official. He has a hamstring injury. He will not play. And Malcolm Brogdon, yikes, the injury-prone Malcolm Brogdon. One's already popping up. He has a grade one left AC sprain. For those on YouTube, you can see me pointing. That's right here, top of your shoulder, collarbone area. Grade one means it's pain, uh, not necessarily anything like ligament detachment or tearing or anything. It could miss some time. We don't know yet. I have not personally talked to Carlisle about it. Let's talk about those injuries and how it will play into this game. But first, I want to talk about the great folks over at Sweatblock because they are making sweating less awkward and embarrassing because there's a few things in life that aren't fun to talk about. And one of them is sweating. You know, I sweat through shirts all the time. I did so at the State Fair this year. You know, I haven't done as many activities in the last two years because of the pandemic. So the State Fair was alarming. It was the first time I've sweated through my shirt in a long time. It was very hot outside, but it's really annoying. And I know a lot of people who deal with this and it sucks. So Sweatblock is here to fix that problem. Their antiperspirant wipes and deodorant are stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed next morning, you wake up, wash, go about your day. You don't have to worry about sweat, guaranteed. Seriously, their deodorant is awesome. I know this will sound too good to be true, but you only have to use sweat block once or twice a week. Keeps you dry the whole time. No more pitting out. No more picking my shirts based on which one will hide the sweat better. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out sweat block. You can get it for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on. You can also get it at Amazon or CVS, but no discount there. That is sweatblock.com, promo code locked on for 20% off. Thank you again for making Locked On Pacers your first listen of the day. 
and I hope that continues in the future. Yeah, big injury surprises, like I just said, no Keelan Martin, no Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, really unfortunate for Martin, first of all, because with Justin Holiday out now, you know, the, the wing rotation is going to shuffle. He could have had a big chance, especially in these later preseason games, to get some more minutes and really hammer home that he should make this Pacers team. You know, he's still fighting for a roster spot. An injury doesn't hurt your chances necessarily. You can't play bad when you're injured, but it certainly can't help his case. So I don't know where that exactly stands. I know that the, between Kiefer Sykes and Brad Wanamaker and, and Keelan and his guarantee date, there's still a lot up in the air on how the Pacers want to handle the back of their roster. So a bummer for him to not have this opportunity to show what he can do. And also they're not playing a very good team, right? So I'm sure Keelan would have liked to get good minutes against, you know, lesser players to have to, to have a chance to leave an impact and show what he can do. So big bummer for him. Hopefully he can recover. But the big one, of course, is Brogdon, who has that grade one left AC sprain again. First of all, we're on YouTube. For those who still don't know, uh, you can you can watch me talk on there. It's a great way to get your information if that's your normal way of watching and listening to things. Right here on your body, your left, you know, collarbone shoulder area is where an AC sprain is. We haven't heard much about this. Uh, Scott Agnes of Fieldhouse Files tweeted from practice that Rick Carlisle said there was someone who got or some some people getting banged up in practice yesterday. So it sounds like that's when it happened. I don't know that for sure. Just going off of that quote specifically, that sounds like when it happened. He is out. He's listed as out. It is 6.22 p.m. the day before the game. He's already listed as out. So this could be a pain thing where, you know, with a few days of rest and, and you know, the right treatment, he can be ready to go sooner. This could be something that lingers and, and he's got to deal with it going into the season. Who knows? We'll talk to Carlisle and learn more, uh, hopefully before the game on Thursday, but ideally not something that causes him to miss time into the regular season because then there's a not crazy scenario where you have three starters, Brogdon, Levert, and Warren already out before the season even starts. I mean, the injury bug just continues to be horrible, horrible for this Pacers team. There's also a chance Levert and Brogdon are both healthy when the season starts. We don't know enough about Brogdon to know that kind of stuff yet, so we'll see where this leads with the amount of information I have. I can't really say uh, how this goes at this point in time, but obviously a huge bummer not to be able to continue to evaluate him in more combinations, especially, you know, now that we're going to see no Justin Holiday, a new starting five, how Brogdon can organize a new group of five. He would have been very important handling the ball in this game, and now they don't have that. So uh, this game, because of those injuries on the Pacers side, you know, we talked about schematically what the Grizzlies specifically are going to allow us to see about the Pacers now because these injuries, we're also going to see some new combinations that we'll be able to learn more about. So first of all, TJ McConnell will probably start now uh, next to whoever they decide to start for Justin Holiday. I'm guessing it will be Torrey Craig and then the two bigs and probably Chris Duarte again, although maybe they go back to Lamb. I don't know. There's so much in there. They've been changing lineups all the time and Rick Carlisle is trying this and this and mixing these guys together. I don't know. I'm just predicting that it will be McConnell, Craig, Duarte, and the two bigs as the starting five. So an opportunity to see the following things. One, the developing chemistry between Torrey Craig and TJ McConnell, who have been the lead ball handlers with the second unit uh, to a degree in preseason. Also Jeremy Lamb. But them establishing more chemistry is good. Them establishing chemistry with starters is good because Carlisle has done better than Bjorker about mixing and matching a few starters with a few bench guys and not just overloading it all bench at the same time. So that's something that, that we'll see. We'll get to see more developed chemistry between those two guys. We'll get to see McConnell more with both bigs. Uh, that's something that will probably happen often this season in general. So always good to see that. And, and you know, that, that's from Brogdon's fallout specifically. We'll see that. And then with the second unit, 
No Keelan is a bummer. So there's a big opportunity for two guys, and that's Kiefer Sykes and Brad Wanamaker because those two guys are fighting for a roster spot. I think Wanamaker's got a really good chance just because of the nature of the way he ended up making this team and his history in the NBA. But, you know, Kiefer Sykes definitely still has a shot to make this team. They liked him after Summer League. He has done well in his one preseason game. You know, if Brogdon can't play, then one, we'll see. The preseason rotations, I'm perhaps very much overthinking them. You know, that is certainly possible, although we have seen some trends and patterns amongst the two games. But, you know, if Wanamaker comes in as the backup point guard, it's pretty likely that that is currently the the ranking order that the Pacers have them. So we might learn a little more about the backup point guard rotation because Wanamaker played some two against the Cavs. It was hard to say what his role was or where he was with in terms of his favor with the team. Now we'll learn a little bit more there. And then it's a good opportunity for both of those guys to they'll play more than normal. Uh, but also they'd be playing, like I said, with Keelan and his injury against a little bit worse of, of players than than typically can be expected. Uh, so they have an opportunity to you know show how good they can be. And against a weaker team, it's a good chance to showcase your skills and show what you've got. So if they're fighting to make the team or they're in a head-to-head competition with each other for that third-string point guard role, there's a big opportunity for both of them with Brogdon out to to play uh, with some more minutes and, and show what they can do. And even Dejan Giroux, who is on a two-way, you know, maybe he gets some more time. He could, in theory, be promoted to the third point guard and then give the two-way to one of the other guys. There's a lot of stuff that could still happen. So all those guys could stand to benefit for a temporary preseason boost here. And then behind Keelan Martin, maybe Nate Hinton or Terry Taylor, two Exhibit 10 guys who probably have very little shot of actually making the Pacers' final roster. But, you know, maybe they can get some more burn to show what they can do, which could be helpful later in the season if the Pacers are evaluating any moves they want to make, you know, around the cutdown deadline or when 10-day contracts become available. So a lot of those guys will have a bigger opportunity because of these injuries. But that's not really the story. You know, the story is Brogdon is hurt again. This has been a problem for the Pacers in his two years here. You know, 10 to 15 games every year. It feels like he misses. And, you know, it's not great. You know, this was something that the Bucks certainly had concerns over with him. This is injury history. So, ideally, he can be ready to go by opening night. We will learn more from Carlisle going forward. And then Keelan, same thing. Hopefully, he can be back as soon as possible as he fights for a spot on an NBA roster. And, and hopefully, he can, can, you know, get back quickly and show what he can do on Friday against the Cavs, who... He always has done well against, and Brogdon did very well against the Cavs as well. So, unfortunate injuries that will change the way that this game is watched. But we'll get to see some more combinations. You know, the second unit we might get to see uh, some some like Moro Shaber set, which I want to talk about him later. But you know, they'll, they'll need him in the forward rotation a little more. Uh, maybe Goga can sneak in a few minutes there now that they can slide up guys. We saw Wanamaker get in at the two. Like I said, if guys are sliding up. There's always a chance Goga sneaks in a few minutes because you can't slide Sabonis or Turner out. They're already playing center. So there's a lot that could change slightly as a result of this, and it is a preseason game. The rotations might not mean anything, but you know we'll have to see. Jeremy Lamb could be asked to do quite a bit of shot creation for the Pacers' second unit in this game if he doesn't end up starting. So a lot of ripple effects from these injuries. Uh, thankfully, again, the Grizzlies are playing their, their backup team, so experimenting won't look so awkward and uncomfortable. They, they could still walk away looking like a very talented team, but you can't take away too much from this game, given who's out, given who will be playing with who. It's a preseason game in general, Just, uh, but the injuries suck, and there's something that's worth talking about as, as this Pacers team heads into the season because they already have four rotation players currently down for the count. They can't lose anymore, right? So they, they, they might just be more conservative for the rest of the preseason minutes-wise just because of the injuries they already have. And they need those guys to come back to evaluate their team 
and to start off the season on a good note. So lots to watch for in terms of who has an opportunity now and what the status is of those injuries, which we will hopefully learn again tomorrow. So lots to talk about uh, with that. But uh, there is a specific player, speaking of the rotation, who I want to talk about specifically, and that is O'Shea Brissett, because if you'll recall, when we were trying to create a fake Pacers rotation earlier in the offseason, I said, I'm going to pencil in O'Shea Brissett as a lock as the eighth guy because of his age and his talent. And through two preseason games, he's barely been in the rotation and not even really for the reasons I expected him to be in the rotation. He might not even technically be in the fully healthy Pacers rotation, which is very surprising to me. So I want to talk about why I think O'Shea Brissett should be playing a little more or have a more involved role. But first, I want to talk to you guys about the great folks over at Built Bar because they are making the best tasting protein bars ever. I'm not just saying that. I've tried over two dozen of their flavors, which sounds crazy to say, but I have, and I really enjoyed all of them. They're 100% covered in chocolate protein bars that, you know, they, they have so many flavors, but the texture always matches the flavor, which is something I really like. The coconut's a little crunchier. I the salted caramel's a little smoother. They're all delicious. They have so many flavors to try. My favorite is the cookie dough one they just made, but the peanut butter brownie is delicious. The double chocolate's delicious. Cookies and cream is, is delicious. You've got to try them in three of those flavors. They're in their mixed box. You can get to try some more of the flavors. You'll get two of each of their of nine popular flavors. So try them out. And not only are Built Bars delicious, they're super healthy, right? 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Awesome flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Try them out today. They're the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED1515. You'll get 15 percent off your order that promo code is locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com let's talk about O'Shea Brissett so a small background here when we were talking about the rotations like I said earlier in the offseason I penciled in O'Shea as the eighth guy because he's good you know last year he shot well from three he provided a defensive punch the Pacers didn't have because of his size and speed he could handle the ball uh, so, so he looked good last year. He looked like a legitimate NBA player. That's why the Pacers signed him to a three-year deal. In summer league, he was very good. He could get to the line. He was blown by defenders. He was good enough that the Pacers, after two games, said, you're done. We know how good you are. You're clearly too good to be here. We don't want you to get hurt. You're done, right? So a lot of factors in my head said, O'Shea's going to be in the rotation, right? That, that He's going to be a guy they say, you are the backup for. You have skills to fit us very well. And then they played the Knicks, and... He was in the rotation, but only sort of. He was he was kind of the 10th guy, uh, and he, he was behind Torrey Craig. He was the center, weirdly. It was kind of odd. Um, so he was the 10th guy, but a lot of his minutes that game came in garbage time, not necessarily uh, as much in the, with the actual rotation guys. But he was kind of in the rotation that game. So I want to give him some benefit of the doubt. And he played next to Isaiah Jackson, who played the five exclusively against the Knicks, which is noteworthy because then we learned later in the week that they were testing out Isaiah Jackson at the four. And then Isaiah played the four against the Cavs. They also started Duarte. And all of a sudden, in the first half, O'Shea Brissett was not in the rotation, right? They had their starting five, Holiday, Sabonis, Turner, Duarte, and Brogdon. McConnell, Craig, Lamb came off the bench. Isaiah Jackson was the four, which is the, the reason there's some change here. And then they staggered the two centers. So Brogdon and Sabonis were always together. And then when they would come out, Turner would be the lone center next to Isaiah Jackson in those minutes. So O'Shea was not in the rotation. Even Wanamaker was in a little bit at the two in that game. And I think that was some experimentation. Uh, so the reason I bring all this up, one, 
it's preseason. These these rotations might not even be what Carlisle actually foresees himself doing once the season actually starts. And then a lot of my points today will be kind of moot just because then, you know, if, if O'Shea's playing, that's great. I think he should be playing. The reason I think he should be playing, though, is he is 23, right? He is young. He is very good for his age. Well, not very good. He is good for his age. And at 23, you have a lot of room to grow and get better. We saw him get a lot better just from Toronto to Fort Wayne. Well, I guess it was the bubble. So, you know, down south and then back in Indiana. We've seen O'Shea get a lot better. He's only 23. We know kind of what he can provide this team. And that is a solid scoring punch and a good defender. And the reason I think he should play more is because I get why they want to play Torrey Craig, right? We have heard a lot from Rick Carlisle about how, you know, when they learned the extent of Warren's injury and recovery, they they got Torrey Craig in as his replacement. I talked to Lloyd Pierce, and Lloyd Pierce was psyched about his defense and rebounding, and the Lord knows the Pacers need rebounding from backcourt players. Like, I get it. Torrey Craig is good and useful for this team. I don't think the difference between Torrey Craig's defense and O'Shea Brissett's, and Torrey Craig is better on that end, is worth what you lose on the offensive end. And Torrey Craig has actually shown some ball handling punch in the preseason, but it's way too much ball handling punch, first of all. And second of all, I think O'Shea can do that, and he's a better shooter, and I think he's more of a good connector than Craig. We'll see if that actually comes true when Craig plays for the Pacers, but I think O'Shea's better enough on offense to make up for that gap. So I would play him over Torrey Craig. And then Isaiah Jackson, if you're really trying to get him in, Play him at the five where it's more natural for him as a rookie and let him grow that way where he learns a less natural position. He has said himself, Jackson, that he has to learn the four more than the five. He feels more natural at the five, and he definitely can play the four because Isaiah Jackson can spread out on defense and guard the perimeter and switch and handle all these roles in the pick and roll and stuff like that, right? He can play the four. I don't think he shouldn't play the four. In fact, adding in another position for versatility reasons is great, and establishing that as a rookie is a fine strategy, but... He himself has admitted he is more comfortable at the five. And I think if you're letting a guy develop, maybe get him minutes where he's more comfortable so he can shine a little more and be a little bit more involved. And I would personally have O'Shea playing the four above both of those guys because I think he, again, he's only 23. He can space out the floor, put it on the put the ball on the floor a little bit and, and make the offense get moving. His defense is very solid. I just think he should be playing, and I'm very surprised that he hasn't been as much in the preseason in the rotation uh, playing with, you know, the, the starters or the, or the bench guys that he played with last year. And, you know, against the Cavs in the first half, I don't think he played much at all. In fact, I'd, I, I'm going to check the play-by-play and search his name to see if he if he played a single minute. Um, but I don't think he did. Yeah, in the second quarter, he did not check in. In the first quarter, he did not check in. In the third quarter, he did finally check in. But that was, you know, after uh, Justin Holiday got hurt, he came in for Sabonis as the backup four because Craig was now the starting three, right? So his rotation spot in that game did not exist at all after Isaiah went to the four. So between Craig and Isaiah and, you know, they're playing the two bigs, uh, there are, I think there are ways to find him at least like 10 minutes to play. And I think he's earned that. He's 23 and he's very talented. So Carlisle could still tweak his rotations and I might be jumping the gun by saying they're making a mistake not playing him more. But I think you have to explore what you have in O'Shea. Like he was an 11 point, 5.5 5.5 rebound guy in under 25 minutes for your team last year and a good defender, right? He showed some valuable skills for the Pacers last year and they really needed him. And he clearly fit next to other players in this team that are still around. So again, there are valid reasons to play Torrey Craig and Isaiah Jackson, but I think 
I would try very hard to get O'Shea Brissett into the rotation, get him more playing time, really explore what you have, you know, get that youth pipeline going. If you have Duarte, O'Shea, Isaiah Jackson all looking good, all of a sudden your future looks a lot, a lot brighter as a franchise than if you just have two of those three guys. So I would try to get O'Shea more involved in rotation. Now, Justin Holiday just got hurt, which changes the calculus here because like I just said, in the second half in that Cavs game last Friday, O'Shea did get in the rotation after Holiday got hurt. Torrey Craig went into the starting lineup as the starting small forward. And and Carlisle has told us in practice that Torrey Craig has worked as the three and four uh, with various units, whereas O'Shea has only worked as the four. So I think it made more sense in his mind to start Torrey Craig. And I still think that will be what they do just because of how they have done stuff at practice. But that does open a spot with the second unit. O'Shea should get it. I mean, he needs to get it. He needs to get that time with whatever rotation players they have available and playing against the in, the in this Grizzlies game and even throughout the preseason. I would like to explore more of him playing. You know, he did struggle against the Knicks, mostly because he just missed his threes, which is a big thing for him, but he looked a lot better against the Cavs, right? Dropping in eight points, two rebounds, just had a block. He just looked better. Uh, excuse me. That was the, that was that was his uh, stat line against the Knicks, was that eight points. Uh, he had... No, I got it right. Okay. So, yeah, he looked a lot better against the Cavs. So, I'm looking forward to seeing what O'Shea Brissett can bring to this team, you know, when there's more healthy guys and he's not relied upon as much. Uh, but I think he should be playing more in the patient need to explore what they have with him so they can establish another future piece on this team. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but, you know, Isaiah Jackson, I would, I totally get it. He looks very talented and he's also very young, but why not try to play both? I think that should be an objective for Rick Carlisle and this Pacers team because O'Shea is good and he deserves to play and, and be a part of this team. So, that's all I got for today's show. Lots of fun stuff to talk about with this Grizzlies game coming up uh, and some good players deserving of more minutes. So Adam, tomorrow, will break down all the action from Grizzlies Pacers. I will try to join him, but uh, I will admittedly be very busy after the game with my media duty. So stay tuned for that. And then Friday, of course, we'll talk Pacers Cavs. We'll talk uh, contract extensions because it's the last or one of the last days of the season they can do it and waivers because again a lot of guys have to be cut by saturday to get their contracts off the books before the season so still a lot of crazy stuff to talk about this week we'll of course break it all down here on the lockdown pacers podcast thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you tomorrow